All right, so three years ago, May of 2019, I started preaching through the book of Colossians. Um, it's been slow and steady, right? I don't preach all that often, but when I do, I've been, I've been in this book, and, and it brings us to the last passage of Colossians today. So it's a nice bookend, May to May, three years in the middle. Uh, so Colossians is, is a book, a letter written to the, the church in Colossae. Uh, Paul and Timothy, in verse 1-1, one, one, are writing the letter and sending it to them. And, and they introduce us to Epaphras. Um, throughout the beginning of the book, Paul uses the word, re, the pronoun we, several times, but we don't fully understand who he means until the end. We learn that Epaphras uh, was key in establishing the church in Colossae. He uh, heard Paul preach in, in Ephesus, and he took the Spirit of the Lord back to Colossae and helped start the church. Uh, after that happened, he went to Rome, and he heard Paul was there, shared what the church in Colossae was doing, and shared some of their challenges. Um, and, and Paul lifts up Epaphras, right, and, and talks about his praying for the, the church in Colossae. And then Paul gives us the key verse for this book. Uh, we are praying for you so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of, the, of God. Almost immediately, Paul follows that up with probably the most thorough revelation about Christ, verses 15 to 19. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. This clearly tells us five things about Christ. Number one, he's firstborn over all. Number two, he's creator of all, and all was created for him. Everything is under his authority. Three, he holds all things together. Four, Christ is supreme, period. And five, Christ was fully God, and God was pleased. This epistle is so full. Paul spends chapter three giving instructions on how Christians should live, both the Colossians then and believers today. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another, and submitting to one another. Devote yourselves to prayer. So much in this small book of four chapters. Which brings us to the final passage of Colossians today. Chapter 4, verses 7 to 18, if you want to flip over there, it's a good time. When I first read this passage, 
I was reminded of writing letters to my grandmother when I was a kid. At the end of the letter, my mom or my sister would always say, hey, will you tell Grandma I said hi? Or tell her I'm sending my love to her. After reading this passage, I almost suggested to Frank that we just skip it. Right? It's just, it's not anything important. Almost. I was reminded of 2 Timothy 3.16, which says that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All scripture, even the end of letters. So I went back and I spent some time with this passage. I'm so glad I did. I'm excited to share with you what I found. So let's pray, and then we'll read this passage together. Father God, we just ask that you would be here with us, Lord, that you would open our eyes and open our hearts to your word, to what you had Paul share at the end of the book of Colossians. Lord, we ask that you would be among us and that we would worship you today in word and deed, much as we have with music and communion. Lord, bless this time. In Jesus' name. So, verse 7, Tychicus, by the way, Tychicus gets said a lot today, and it's, it's hard to say, so we're just going to call him Ty, all right? So, Ty will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who's called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God. And they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read at the church of Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you've received in the Lord. And finally, I, Paul, writing this greeting in my own hand, Remember my chains, and grace be with you. Before we jump into this passage, I want to point out who is not mentioned. Did you notice? In verse 1-1, the letter is sent from Paul and Timothy. Yet Timothy is not mentioned, and he didn't send any greetings. In a commentary I read, it was suggested that Timothy actually wrote the letter while Paul dictated it. It was common practice for Paul to write letters like that, and then at the end, write the final line and sign it. Uh, 
he did that because he wanted to make sure that nobody could be imitating him, false, false teachers or other people who wanted to pretend to be Paul and send information. This passage wraps up the letter to the, to the Colossians. But Paul has a few more things he wants to communicate, that he wants to share with us. He starts with the man who's delivering the letters and his companion. Ty, Ty, Ty Cuckus, Ty is the postman and is widely believed that he delivered this letter, the letter to Laodicea, the letter to Philemon, and even the letter to the Ephesians. In addition to bringing the letter, Ty is to share all the news about Paul and their circumstances, and he is to encourage their hearts. That's just a little bit of pressure, right? Now, what do we know about Ty? Paul tells us that he's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a servant of the Lord. He goes so far as to call him a fellow servant. He's a believer. And he's been of great service to both the Lord and to Paul. Ty is actually mentioned five times in the Bible. In Ephesians, Ty gets, gets described exactly the same way. A dear brother, a faithful minister, and a servant of the Lord. He traveled with Paul to Jerusalem, carrying the offering from the Colossians. I'm sorry, from Ephesus. And he's with Paul while under house arrest in Rome. Another place that he's mentioned, Paul sent Ty to deliver a letter to Titus. And he instructed Titus to put Ty in charge of all the churches of Crete while Titus went to visit Paul. That's, that's some big responsibility. I think it's safe to say that Paul trusted Ty, that Ty was loyal to serving the Lord by serving Paul. He was capable of completing tasks, leading churches, and spiritually encouraging the hearts of Christ's followers. Ty's traveling companion is Onesimus, and he comes from a different background, right? He's described, again, as a dear brother and faithful. Paul also tells us that Onesimus is one of you, one of the Colossians, so he would, be, he would be known to the church in Colossae. In fact, if you remember, Frank preached on Philemon uh, just a few months ago, and, and, or if you've read or studied that book, uh, then you, we know that Onesimus is a, uh, an escaped slave, somebody who stole from his owner before he ran off. We also know that the church of Colossae meets in Philemon's house. So Onesimus, Onesimus coming back is a big deal. Paul's introduction of Onesimus tells us a few things, right? He's a dear brother. He is now a believer in Christ. He's trusted to accompany Ty and join him in sharing news about Paul. He's also incredibly brave in returning, right? He's seeking forgiveness, reconciliation. He comes as a new believer, but he has no assurances. There are no promises of what Philemon will do. There are consequences for escaped slaves, right? We know that Paul wrote the letter to Philemon, right, to introduce Onesimus and introduce that he's different, but we don't know what will happen. 
So Onesimus is taking some risk, right? Paul gave a huge responsibility to these two guys. He trusted them. One has a history of loyalty and being a believer. The second recently became a believer and is willing, willing to take risks for the sake of Christ. This begs the question, who are you trusting with big things? Who's helping you carry the load? Do you have someone or several someones who will do that with you and for you? Now that Paul is giving credit to Ty and Onesimus, his attention turns to the rest of his crew, the rest of his community. Aristarchus is also a prisoner with Paul. Aristarchus was with Paul in Jerusalem. He helped deliver the offering from Thessalonica, and he even accompanied, accompanied Paul in his third missionary journey. He was also there with Paul during the riot in Ephesus. He's a Jewish man who has placed his faith in Christ. And I'm assuming that he's a prisoner for reasons similar to Paul. He's seemingly a loyal friend. And based on their history, that bears it out. Verse 10 continues with Mark. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You may have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. You may remember that Paul was on the missionary journey with Paul, and something happened. I don't know why the Bible doesn't say, but Mark leaves the journey. He goes on about his way. And, and something happens between he and Paul. Well, after that journey's over and Paul comes back and, and he's ready to go on another missionary journey, Mark shows up and says, hey, I want to go. Can I help? And Paul won't let him, right? Barnabas steps up and says, hey, no, we can use him. And it's such a big deal. Paul feels so strongly about it that uh, Barnabas splits from, from Paul. And he and Mark go and do their thing. Paul picks up a, another guy, not picks up, I'm sure they worked it out somehow, but Simon joins him on that journey. So we, we don't know, but, but there's some bad blood there between Paul and Mark. Um, I would guess that the, there was a, a lack of trust for sure. But at the time of this writing, when Paul is in Rome and he's imprisoned, Mark was with him. And 2 Timothy uh, that letter to Timothy, Paul even goes so far as to request that Mark be brought to him, that Mark was helpful. Obviously, something has happened. There was forgiveness and reconciliation between these two men. And Mark became a trusted companion for Paul. This verse also refers to instructions about Mark. Now, I know when you see that, I don't know about you, but I automatically want to know what we're talking about. But they're not written down anywhere. It's not in the Bible. Commentaries, I read a couple of commentaries, and they didn't have any information. Um, so we, we just don't know. God obviously didn't see fit to include it in the Bible. So I'm going to make an educated guess. I think Paul warned folks that Mark was not to be trusted because of whatever happened on that trip. I think he said, hey, 
this guy, don't, don't let him be a part of what you're doing. And I think the instructions in this, this particular passage, Paul is overriding those instructions. He's saying, hey, everything's good. I know I said that before. Paul is, Mark is in good graces now. Welcome him. Ignore what I wrote. That's what I think. God will tell me when we get there, right? What matters, what is important is that they are brothers in Christ. And that leads us to, to one, finding, one final detail about Mark. He's also the Mark that wrote the gospel of Mark. So he's kind of a big deal. I'm glad he and Paul got back together. Verse 11 includes a greeting sent by Justice, whose real name is Jesus. That's the only thing we know about him other than the fact he's a Jewish man. And he is with Paul. Along with Mark and Aristarchus, those three are the only Jewish believers with Paul. They're the last three. But those three work alongside Paul, sharing Christ for the kingdom of God, and they bring Paul comfort. Right? There's something comforting about being with people that, that are like you that are similar to you, that have a, a same background or a same education, maybe the same hometown, a shared history. Now, Paul's not seeking to go back. He's not seeking his past. But rather, these fellows and their background are an encouragement to him to continue on the path, to continue sharing the truth, sharing Christ with the Gentiles. Verses 12 and 13, Paul passes on greetings from Epaphras. You remember in chapter 1, Epaphras is introduced as a leader in, Coloss in the Colossian church. And after, after getting that started, he came to Rome when he found Paul and, and shared with them about the church, how things were going and some of the challenges facing them. Paul here is recognizing that Epaphras is staying in Rome, that he is one of Paul's crew. He's referred to as one of you, so identified as being from Colossae, and he's a servant of Christ. Paul takes the time to give credit to Epaphras. He is praying for the churches in Colossae, Laodicea, and Hierapolis. He is striving. He is motivated. He's ruthless in prayer that y'all would stand firm Stand firm in the will of God that you would be mature and confident. Interestingly, Paul spends a few verses on Ty and a few verses on Epaphras. Ty, who he's known for a long time, and Epaphras, who he's known for a short time, but has shown his devotion to prayer and the body of Christ. Luke and Demas who, get, who send their greetings in verse 14, they have to share a verse. Luke, or, or Luke the doctor, has been with Paul for some time as well and certainly fits in with Paul's crew. He's been to Jerusalem with Paul. He's been on a, a missionary journey with Paul. And he's the author of the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. You would think he'd get more than half a verse. Demas also sends his greetings but there's no description, right? All it says is Demas sent his, his greetings. Even though Demas doesn't 
receive anything here. He is mentioned in two other places in the Bible. He's mentioned in Philemon. It doesn't say much other than he was there and a co-worker. But then he's also mentioned in Timothy. And this is kind of the sad part. He's mentioned as someone who loved the world and returned to Thessalonica. He's turned his back on Christ. Both were considered co-workers for Christ at the time this letter was written. But Demas would not stay the course. The men, these men that Paul considered co-workers, fellow servants for Christ, loyal tie, brave Onesimus, praying, I'm sorry, fellow Aristarchus, reconciled Mark, renamed Justice, praying Epaphras, Dr. Luke, and soon to be leaving Demas. These are the men that Paul did life with. They are his community, his small group, his Bible study partners, his community group. They walked the walk with him, and he was able to rely on them to serve Christ alongside him, to share the gospel with the Gentiles and with the Romans. And those men were also able to rely on Paul. He refers to them as fellow workers, which implies equality. Right? I always think of Paul as being the Apostle Paul, like head and shoulders above those that he's with. But he looks at them as co-workers, fellows. These men are Jews and Gentiles, slaves, doctors, older and newer believers from many walks of life. Paul is showing the Colossians and us that he is following the words given to him by God and that he has shared with them. If you think back to Colossians 3.11, it says there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all, Christ is all and is in all. The unifying factor for this group of men is their belief in Christ. Their love for each other is based on what Christ has done for them. And they are motivated to share that blessing with others. Paul is showing us that we need community. We need people. We need believers to work alongside us, to bear with one another, to forgive, rebuke, to encourage, and love one another, like his group of men during his imprisonment. He was blessed with these eight men. I'm sure there were others, right? Timothy, we brought up. Barnabas at times. Simon. But while in prison, this group of nine men, including Paul, were a community. Their community. The body of Christ, the church. It works most effectively when people belong. When they support and encourage one another. When they bear one another offering forgiveness, hope, and the love of Christ to one another. Let me ask you, do you have that group, that community? Are you a part of a group of believers who are walking with you, challenging you to grow and learn? Now, Paul completes the book of Colossians with a few commands or directions. And the command in verse 15 is for the Colossians but I think we can apply it to us ourselves as well. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters 
at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And passing on greetings to someone seems pretty straightforward. But I think Paul has some extra motivations here. He's trying to encourage and build relationships between three churches to increase community in somewhat close bodies of Christ. I think they were only a few miles apart, so it would have been easy for them to, to, to come together from time to time anyway. To reach out and build, build relations with our brothers and sisters in other churches in the community, that's something that, that we as a church nowadays can do as well. And we do, right? We got Shine. We, have, we, we help with the food pantry downtown. Uh, Frank meets with other pastors a few times a year to, to build relationship and support each other. But we could do so much better, right? How many churches are there from the highway to Frost Road? There's like six or eight churches. I don't know that I've ever met more than one or two people from those places. We could do so much better. Nympha is not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible, so I'm not really sure about her, but I have a guess. I think it's safe to guess that she hosts, hosts the church in Hierapolis, right? They mentioned those earlier, the church at Colossae, Laodicea, and Hierapolis. Um, well, we know that Philemon hosts the church in his house for Colossae. Um, we know there's a church for Laodicea, so I'm guessing that she hosts the church in Hierapolis. Again, God will show us when we get there, right? Paul has another command for believers in the Colossian church and for believers today. After this letter has been read to you, See that it's also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Make sure you share the word with each other so that you will grow in knowledge and stature so that you may know the will of God that you would be, will, you would be mature and fully assured. For us, be in the word. Commit it to your heart. Commit it to memory. Spend time studying the word. And we're blessed. We don't have to wait for a letter from Albuquerque. We've got the Bible. We have it all. We have God's word in everything that he would want us to know written down. Be in the word. Commit it to memory. His third command is to one person. But I think there's application for all believers. Tell Archippus. See to it that you complete the ministry you have been given, you've been you have received in the Lord. It's not 100% for sure, but it's believed that Archippus was the son of Philemon. And I, I don't know what the ministry was that he was given. I don't know that Paul ever communicated him directly, communicated with him directly, other than this mention in Colossians. But think about it. How cool would it be to be stirred to action by the Holy Spirit, right? Receive a mission from, from him. And that direction is confirmed by the Apostle Paul in a letter from Rome. Now, doesn't that just give you goosebumps? 
We could guess at what the ministry was, but what's the point? The important thing is that the Lord gave him direction, and the Apostle Paul confirmed it. Done deal. (laughs) The last verse is the only one handwritten by Paul, and it contains a command for all believers. Remember my chains. He is here to serve Christ. He is here to serve Christ in whatever scenario he's given. If it's in chains, so be it. If it's in a riot, so be it. Paul said, remember his chains. I will serve him always. And he finishes with grace be with you. This passage is most definitely not my my sister sending a message to my grandmother. Paul is sharing the blessing and the example of his community with the readers. Believers have the ability to love one another well, to see past differences, to encourage, to rebuke, to forgive, and to build the body of Christ through community. Do you have that community? Do you have that kind of community? Do you have a gentle, pure, tight-knit, nothing-to-hide, kill-my-best-goat-for-you kind of community? That's loosely translated from 1 Thessalonians 2.8, by the way. Are you involved with a group of people that will walk beside you through the hard times and issues and lovingly depend on you when they need you or when you need it? If so, many blessings on you and that group. But if not, if you don't have that group, if you don't have that community, then reach out. Reach out to me, reach out to the office, reach out to a ministry leader, reach out to the elders. Let us know, and we can help you find that group, that community. Heck, start something. If there's, a, if there's somebody that you're interested in getting to know better, ask them to lunch. Start studying the Bible with that person and see what God does with that. Reach out. Request what you need, and we will help you however we can to find that group. Will you stand and let's pray? Father God, you have been so good to us. Lord, you have shared your heart, you have shared wisdom, you've shared about your son, and Lord, you have made it clear that he is supreme, that he is over all things, and that all things are held together by him. Lord, you have made it clear to the Colossians and to us that we are to live in a way that honors you. Lord, you've also made it clear that, that we need believers around us, and we need, we need community. Lord, I pray that you would help us to find that community. Lord, be with us and keep us well this week. Let us love you and lift you up in all things. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.